0: The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash Bill Risser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's AdWorks.com slash What I,
1: I feel like it's such an incredible privilege to be a part of this very intimate process for individuals. And to be able to be this part of their, their sort of, it's really being a matchmaker. And if you think about the chemistry that happens when you meet your mate, it's really the similar chemistry that happens when you walk into the right home. And that is really something that is so amazing to be able to figure out what makes an individual tick and why you're drawn to this and why your partner is drawn to something different in in the negotiations that happens to find the right space is, is really fulfilling.
0: Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 84 of the Real Estate Sessions. I am excited today to talk to Louise Phillips Forbes, an industry leader for 27 years in the New York City real estate market. With career sales in excess of $2.5 billion, she is considered one of the elite power brokers in Manhattan. A multi-time winner of Halstead Properties' esteemed Broker of the Year Award, Louise has also been acknowledged as the number one listing broker company-wide and currently leads the firm's number one team. She has developed a significant following among developers, home buyers, and sellers throughout Manhattan. From the Upper West Side and Upper East Side to the West Village, Tribeca, and Wall Street, she proudly serves prominent New Yorkers. Louise has been recognized and quoted in many top local and national magazines and newspapers, and most importantly, she is a wife and proud mom of two hockey-playing sons, Louise Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. How are you, Bill?
0: I'm doing great. I'm uh, sitting down here in St. Petersburg, Florida, enjoying the weather. How's it looking up there in NYC?
1: It's a little nippy today at 26. I was enjoying last week's 64, quite frankly.
0: Right. I saw that. <laughs> it's very, It's been up and down in New York this year. This winter's been super warm or super cold, right? Kind of like no in between.
1: Amen. Yes. Yeah, send, send me a little sunshine, okay?
0: I'll work on it. I'll work on it. Well, I'm so happy to have you on the show. And I wanted to start with, you know, I'm going to take a wild guess that growing up in Nashville, Tennessee, that you probably weren't dreaming of a career in real estate in New York City. So what was your passion growing up, and, and then what brought you to, uh, to New York?
1: Well, I came to New York seeking the lights of Broadway. I was passionate about – I've been an athlete all my life, but really uh, developed a serious focus on dance and I had a small scholarship to go to college at University of Tennessee to fulfill that. And I danced for a couple of small dance companies down south. And uh, while I worked on a degree in special education and elementary education, but I really kind of boogied out of Tennessee to New York. And after a short career, I um, I injured myself and after slinging drinks in a bar, which many of us do to pay the rent in New York City because we want to live in the greatest city in the world. Some One of my clients said, you know, you would be awesome in real estate. And she gave me her business card and I called her the next day and she connected me with a friend. And next thing you know, I had a job in real estate. I had to go get my license. Of course, I didn't quite understand that it was commission only. So it was an interesting transition. But my first year in real estate for any of those new those new agents out there, I made $8,400. So there's no way to go but up from there.
0: Right, right. So you, the, the woman that gave you this intro, was she someone that you sort of um, looked to as a mentor? Did she help you along the way and kind of get your career going?
1: Well, you know, she she was an on-site Agent. She managed on-site a rental building, um, which was not something that I thought would be of interest to me. I really thought, I think initially, that, that real estate was really the brick and mortar and the architecture and just the cement jungle that it was. But in fact, as we've all come to learn, that real estate is the business of people. And that was what made me tick,
0: I am so happy to hear that because it's in today's day and age with all the technology and all the stuff that's flying around and all the all the um salesmen selling stuff to realtors, it turns out that real estate really is all about relationships, right? I mean that's I think that's what you just said.
1: Amen. It is. I mean, you know, I I think that um, you know, when you have a background, as mine was, uh, which was, you know, the arts and children, neither of which were, you know, a big coin driven careers. And thankfully, my mother was the wisest person I knew telling me to follow my heart. And whatever you do, do something you love, because then every day you don't go to work. So for me, when you think about what I, I feel like it's such an incredible privilege to be a part of this very intimate process for individuals and to be able to be this part of their their sort of – it's really being a matchmaker. And if you think about the chemistry that happens when you meet your mate, it's really the similar chemistry that happens when you walk into the right home. And that is really something that is so amazing to be able to figure out what makes an individual tick and why you're drawn to this and why your partner is drawn to something different in and, and, and the negotiations that happens to find the right space is is really fulfilling. You're in
0: probably one of the most competitive real estate markets. I'm going to call it the world. And how did you, once you realized what your calling was, where it was it was being this relationship builder, how did you grow your, your business and your own personal brand?
1: You know, getting my arms around how to goal set and be focused, I, I, I was not, I am not, or was not particularly driven by money. It, in fact, being Southern, you're raised not to even talk about it. So for me, when I focused on being of service and that being sort of the, the first Order of business. Then I made the decision that I wanted to really educate the people I worked with, not sell them something. I wanted it to be not just the deal. I wanted it to be the right deal. And I didn't want to focus on on how big or small the deal was i wanted to focus on a personal connection like knowing somebody from the gym i didn't come to new york with a rolodex i promise i came with 800 bucks in my pocket that's it okay. and understanding who you're who you are who what your philosophy or your or your mission is and then recognizing that there is abundance there's enough for us all and if you practice the, those principles I grew my business solely one deal at a time. And for myself, I needed to make New York a small town. So I walked up and down the Upper West Side, I memorized floor plans of buildings. So I I learned that the one bedrooms were in the front and the seven rooms were in the back and i would never I'd never imagined doing a seven room transaction that would be you know maybe over a million dollars. I was like the one bedroom queen, so I owned whatever that little bit of product was that I knew I knew it like the back of my hand
0: and that allowed you I'm sure then to kind of just keep assimilating this information and this data and it just became part of who you were right
1: and it indeed, and I also really gained the respect. Uh, of my peers meaning if i was asking for an appointment i knew my i knew the product i understood my client i mean i had no listings i was not a listing agent i did i was just working working with buyers 7 days a week you know right. <laughs> hoping that you know you throw enough stuff up against the wall that something's going to stick if you really really just keep the focus on educating and being in the field of seeing what's new for each client that you had
0: as your business grew, i'm sure that um that you knew your a team was going to become a necessity and so, how'd you go about that process of, of putting that together and and what were you looking for you know in each little spoke in the wheel i guess
1: well again we talk about i talk about you know real estate is the business of people, and if i'm focusing on building my business, executing relation business with relationships that I have or even new relationships that I'm gaining. For myself, it was really most important to make sure that my philosophy was conveyed and that I truly never looked for someone who was in the business. I, I intentionally sought to recruit and build outside of the business of real estate, because I wanted people to come in with no habits, no opinions, eager to be a sponge, to acclimate to my way, which, by the way, is not necessarily the only way, but it's what I know. And many people who know me know that I am a living dyslexic. Dyslexia is part of my life and and part of my history of of who i who how i seem to sort of embrace part of owning who i am as I, I used to be incredibly almost ashamed of it as i've come to learn that some of the most brilliant people in the world are victims of dyslexia and in my opinion today I don't feel like I'm a victim I feel like it has been one of the greatest blessings because of my dyslexia and by the way the definition of dyslexia is a language based learning disability it really means that I just learn differently and in 6th grade at a 45% reading comprehension I had at that point in my life honed my people skills like no tomorrow. So you can imagine that to have honed people skills in sixth grade, that has been one of the greatest things that has helped me to attract the right kind of people in my team because I look for people who will complement my weaknesses and I will complement their strengths.
0: I love that. Let's talk about that. Trying to bring someone who's new to the industry. I mean, is there is there an actual process that you work through to actually help them kind of um, understand the way that you like to have it done? Is there does it kind of is it different for everybody depending on how who you're bringing on? How does that work?
1: Well, uh, working on almost thirty years in the business, thankfully, and I have very low turnover. Um, I, I have had the opportunity since I started building you know, uh, expanding my self and the extension of me and, and creating a team in the late 90s, I've had a lot of opportunity for mistakes and a lot of opportunities to learn. And so I would say the first, um, the the one thing that I, I think that everybody who's trying to build a team is that you should really l- seek a synergy, a synergy of, do I like this person? Do I want to spend time with this person? You know, I have been, I've had carrots dangled in front of me where individuals are like, I could make a huge book of business. I'm not going to do what you do in your team. I'm going to actually, let me just run my own team under you. I'll have me and my assistant and, and I'll just, I'll split everything with you. But that's not how I run my team. Everybody on my team gets paid something. We all get You don't even need to touch the business. We operate as a a well-oiled machine, and I don't want to promote competition. I want to promote being of service and all having one goal in mind. If I need to do a board package or I need to go and get coffee for the next meeting because we have to be prepared for the developer that's coming in, I'll do that. I have no ego in this. It's it's really it's all for one and one for all and that is what I found the most important component in attracting the right people into my team. Procedures and policies, those are that's real estate 101. What do you do when somebody says, "Hey, I'd like to sell my apartment"? You make a folder, you put their name on it, you pull together everything in that building that's sold, or and if you're in a neighborhood, maybe you look in the zip codes. If it's, but these procedures and policies become the basics for an individual to be able to focus on task.
0: Let me switch gears a little bit. I know that um, you work. With a lot of international clients, and I've had a few guests on the show that that have as well, and I'm always curious about some of the challenges or or opportunities that 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 this uh, this kind of focus of the business presents.
1: Well, I think one of the great things about New York City in Manhattan is that it's truly such a mixing pot, and you know after three decades um, in the business almost, I have enjoyed a tremendous amount of diversity in the business that I do, whether it's, you know, $25 million townhouses or $180 million development or a a, a family friend from Mexico who wants to buy three studios for their three children who will be coming to New York to be educated when they graduate uh, high school. Um, or when they graduate from college and they want to have an internship. So I find that the foreign buyers market has, as we've become more into the international platform in the last truly decade, I would say that we have um, all, you know, the agents that do have a large book of business have enjoyed placing international individuals into new development projects existing. Most of them are all condominiums. We don't really have a lot of international buyers purchasing second homes in co-ops, just based on my experience.
0: Let's talk for a second about New York City and the luxury market. It's uh, fascinating and lots of coverage on television about it, but but I can only guess that, that um, most of the deals that you work on a daily basis are not really like the reality shows we've all watched. Am I, do I have that right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they are moments that they do feel like you're in a reality show and some of the deals that we have done, but by the masses, no, I yeah. think that those are fewer and far between. And the misconception, um, is that I think that people are not, uh, that they, they don't drag a lot of drama there is sometimes drama but you know this is this is a a big business and it's a for most people it is one of their largest assets and so treating it with consideration and patience and you know a business is i think really important right I mean you could get some high kicks in there i don't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you said that i didn't have to that's good let me um let me ask you about you know i know you do a lot with developers and you mentioned earlier in this interview that you know when you learned out learned where the one bedrooms were and and how each building was laid out i am sure that's a huge piece of why developers like working with you as well so talk, talk about the uh the whole representing an entire building rather than, you know, one home and and some of the challenges that presents.
1: I have found it to be, you know, representing a development project is has been purely nothing but fulfillment. They have been long. It's like, you know, a, a, a Instead of a nine-month gestational period, it's sometimes a three-year period um, to give birth to these projects. But the truth of the matter, I have to say the greatest part of that is the community that usually comes out of these projects. They're never the same and they're um, incredibly fulfilling. Finding, you know, having my name wrapped around a building for three years, I mean, I've had some of my kids that come home from carpools saying, look, there's Kenneth's mom. She's famous. She's on that building. It it is truly um, one of the great things of creating product and being a part of that. I'm not only matching the individual to a home but i'm getting to create the home so i don't i can't imagine anything more fulfilling um because each project offers a different personality and a different opportunity it's almost like a, a, a canvas that can be created to have a different essence um as the time that moment in time
0: yeah, i would also think that the the community you talk about the community of the development and what you're building there but it must be awesome to to create this community for for you and your in your company and you know your in uh, your team because of this you're you're creating all of these great memories and relationships that are gonna turn into probably more opportunities down the road right
1: absolutely and there are many many I have one individual a young lady that you know I guess maybe we're probably seventeen or eighteen years later. I have sold her nine pieces of property, and we were calculating the amount of money that she had made, which was pushing close to $7 million, through her real estate investments. And she had a practice. She moved from Atlanta. She bought a home. Then she sold it 18 months later, and then she sold another one, and she bought in these development projects. And the greatest thing that I found for myself in my development projects was the opportunity to Take in a neighborhood that was a borderline neighborhood and build a building that became that anchor that caused tremendous shift in that entire neighborhood for the next decade. So for example, uh 240 East 10th Street, which is in the East Village, they had never had a high-rise building with a doorman and that's, you know, a 40-unit building that has panoramic views because the fabric of the lower East Side and the East Village were low-rises. And that fabric of that neighborhood, you know, that became then you saw grocery stores coming and the uh Restaurants that have all filled in, and other development projects followed right after that, and that is also really exciting to be a part of something like that.
0: This this segues nicely into my next question because I, it, you know, I did a lot of research and to find a little bit more about you before we had this sit down to talk, and I I find that you really are deeply involved in um, a couple of couple of things. One being Change for Kids, right? Which is a... Mm, non- so what, we that's to my talk. baby. We mm-hmm. wanted, I, I figured you'd talk about this. So why don't you kind of explain uh, what this nonprofit does and how you got involved um, and and maybe even give out some information for him if somebody wants well,
1: to... Well, I am so... Thank you because listen, I will talk about this. I'll talk about Change for Kids to anybody who will listen to me. So, you know, changeforkids.org is... Um, a nonprofit which we provide cultural arts programs to inner city public schools that are enriching their education experience and their path to success. And we do this one school at a time. So we go out and have a very rigorous application process to one of the 472 underserved communities in New York City that 's four hundred and seventy school seventy two schools that are in underserved communities in Manhattan, and we try to partner with Rock star principals to change the way their educational system is operating we can't, i can 't change the entire educational system, but I can touch one child at a time, one class at a time, one school at a time, one community. And that is our responsibility. And thankfully, I was raised by my mother who always said to me, you have to give it away to keep it. And I, um, I hope that we have 10 under, underserved public schools all over from the Bronx to Brooklyn to the Lower East Side and Harlem, and the, it's so easy to be involved. So please check us out. Thank you for, for giving me the opportunity to share that.
0: Oh, no problem. I'm always always very excited when I find uh, a, an agent who loves giving back to their community. I just think that it's such an important thing, and it, it'll make a big difference in a lot of lives. So I thank you for doing, uh, doing the work. Um, and, and that, that takes me to my my second question. It's sort of personal, and you mentioned it earlier in the conversation about your dyslexia. Um, you also are, are pretty open about the fact that that both of your sons they also both inherited the the trait for dyslexia. So, what 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 do we need to know? Because I think I think you hit the nail on the head early on in the conversation that most of us just think, oh, letters are backwards, and that's like this common misconception with dyslexia. What do what do we need to know? about this um, about this trait and things that are out there that
1: can help? Well, there is a tremendous amount of research-based information on teaching methodologies, uh, and my children are blessed to be at a school called Windward. There's one in Westchester, and there's one in Manhattan, and if I have anything to say, we should have them all over the country because they, they teach a research-based methodology that is multisensory, Uh, teaching methodist method which helps children who like every person learns a certain way so I happen to be visual so I am visually and spatially I can I have a memory for space like no tomorrow it's a good thing I'm in real estate right right Um, some people learn better through auditory and so they teach with tactile visual audio methodology and everything is crossed over uh, in their in their day my children have language arts three times a day and these are opportunities to give these children tools that they will be able to adapt to any kind of learning Uh, facility. They get extended time. Um, We didn't really have this when I was being educated and I was undiagnosed until I was going into sixth grade. So for myself as a mother, I felt it was very important to give my children the language around what is dyslexia. And, you know, I'm proud to say that my children, you know, I literally was last summer, my son was riding bikes with a bunch of 14-year-olds. He was Ten at the time, he was with fourteen-year-olds and ten-year-olds and twelve-year-olds, uh, uh, and they're riding to come have lunch at our house. And he said to one to one of the girls, "Oh, well, I'm dyslexic, so I don't know. I wouldn't really think about that." And she was like, "I can't believe you're saying that you're dyslexic. I would be so embarrassed." And he just got off his bike, put his kickstand down, and said, "I just learned differently. That's it." And it was like didn't miss a beat. And that is. I think the the best gift I can give them is a way to describe it and own it.
0: That's great. Well, Louise, I've had you here just about the half hour that I, I asked of you. And so I want to give you the same question that I've asked every guest on the uh, real estate sessions. And that is, what's what's one piece of advice you would give a new agent just getting started in the business? Hmm. Just one? That's it? Well, I'll let you go, too. <laughs>
1: I, I, I think that figuring out your philosophy and what makes you tick and owning that will disarm or and or attract individuals to you. That would be probably one. My second would be know your market.
0: That is a great piece of advice.
1: <laughs> I love that. Can I just I'll say talk I'll probably about that. add? Yeah. And I'll add one more thing, and 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 this is something that I think um, people who've been in the business for a very, very long time forget. Being generous with your knowledge and being generous with your time, particularly to new agents, will come back tenfold. I have probably brought 70 people into the business of real estate in the last three decades And I, on many occasions, have found myself sitting across the table in a multiple bidding situation. That that kid that I took the time to have a cup of coffee with and let him ask a million questions, you know, I know he felt like he wanted to give me a leg up because I took the time. So what goes around comes around. That's
0: great. Louise, if somebody listening to this episode wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: LouisePhillipsForbes.com.
0: Excellent. Louise, thank you so much for, for taking some time out of your, I'm sure, very busy day to, uh, to share your story with us here on the Real Estate Sessions.
1: Great. I enjoyed so much, Bill. Thank you. Till next time.